Hey, Jason Wood here, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Today, we have a really exciting episode for you. Come on and take a look. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I am your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy, and I have an awesome guest with us today, Marine Corps veteran and um, nonprofit president and co-founder, um, Alisa Johnson. Lisa. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so you have a pretty cool resume. Um, Marine Corps veteran and you're a pilot. Yes. Flew C-130? Yep. That's awesome. Yep. I did uh, just around nine years in active duty Marine Corps uh, here in San Diego for my uh, two tours and just recently got out last November. Okay. What, um, what prompted you to join the military? Well, I was probably that 17 year old that really needed uh, some discipline in my life. <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, I really wanted to do something, you know, meaningful with my life. And I was very into physical fitness and I just was in uh, JROTC in high school and awesome. my, uh, our, you know, the MOI at my ROTC. And it was like, you should go check out the, the recruiting office. And I walked in there, they had a big pull-up bar in the doorway. And I was like, you may not enter unless you do pull-ups and I could do some pull-ups at the time. And I was sold after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, um, so how'd you get into the pilot program? Well, it was kind of that whole, what's the biggest challenge that I could do. Um, I actually really wanted to do combat engineering, but, um, I was kind of turned off by some of the you know, issues with women and those kind of units, especially um, during the time that I was serving when they were starting to integrate um, females into male units. And um, I decided not to do that, especially I ended up getting married and I knew that eventually I wanted to have a family. And so um, I decided aviation was kind of the route that I wanted to take. It was something that I could still be um, a huge, you know, support asset to the guys on the ground, but also uh, be kind of removed from that kind of frontline activity. And it was also the hardest thing I thought I could do in the Marine Corps that was available to me at the time. And, uh, it was a challenge and yeah. I'm thankful for it now. That's really cool. Yeah. The unit I was in in the air force flew C one thirties too. So, um, it's always a welcome sight to see a C-130, even though it's not the, the coolest airplane in the sky. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it was the only aircraft I wanted to fly. I did not, um, I, I, was like, I want to fly C-130s and that's all I wanted to do. I put my mind to it. And, um, and then when I selected it, I mean, it was, you know, cloud nine kind of literally and figuratively. <laughs> right. Um, so any cool, any cool stories while you're active duty? Uh, you know, yeah, it, it was such a cool experience to kind of do, you know, my nonprofit that we'll talk about and also, um, learn how to fly the aircraft. Uh, I did do one deployment, um, but nothing, nothing too crazy, just kind of an overall, you know, sense of, I get, I, I did my time. I, I served my country and I'm really proud of what I accomplished while I was in. Yeah, no, that's a really big accomplishment. And you were stationed in San Diego here, right? I was. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so since you now have this, this nonprofit, which I want to dig into a little bit, um, Dogs on Deployment, mm -hmm. right? Um, so tell me a little bit, what is 
Dogs on Deployment? Dogs on Deployment is a national nonprofit. Essentially, we provide a foster network for military members to find volunteers to board their pets while they have service commitments. So a lot of times it's single people in the military that go on deployments or training. A lot of pilots, actually, you know, because yeah. pilots have a very kind of uh, chaotic life. You might be gone. I mean, I one time was supposed to be gone for 10 days and I was gone for a month. I wasn't too bad. I spent two weeks in Spain. There's my good story, but probably go. not for this podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 um, it helps military members kind of provide that peace of mind so that they can continue to have responsible pet ownership while they're in. And then the other huge thing that we provide is financial grants for military families for help with PCS costs for their pets. Because if, um, if you don't get on Patriot Air, for your animal to move with you. If you get stationed overseas, it comes out of your pocket. Very expensive. And um, also emergency vet care. So a dog gets hit by a car and, you know, we, we try to help uh, primarily our junior enlisted military families. That's really cool. And that's probably something that people don't think of to like the last minute, right? Like, oh shoot, I got to move my pet to Japan. Or yeah. Wherever. It's, it's, I, I feel like, you know, cause the military takes care of people on every other aspect. We get our whole household's goods moved and everything. Sometimes you're like, wait, you're not going to move my dog or my cat too. Yeah. You know? And, um, it really is, uh, a kind of a shocking cost, especially when you think, oh, it can't be too much. You know, an airfare ticket, it's $800 to go to Japan. It's got to be about that for my dog. And then, you know, especially if you have a large dog, it might cost $4,000. Holy cow. So it's, it's a lot of money. I think the most I ever saw was a guy that got stationed from California to Japan and he had two Great Danes and it was almost $11,000. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's an unexpected expense. Unexpected. He yeah. did it. Don't know how, but he did it. Jeez. So how, so you guys get, um, obviously donations for that kind of stuff, but how, how do people find you or, um, when they're doing this PCS and, and they realize that they have this, this issue ahead of them? We really try to network. We do things like this. Um, I'm all about that kind of grassroots growth. Um, one of the things I'm really proud about is I started this organization in 2011 when I had just commissioned in the Marine Corps and everything's been organic growing. Um, we find, you know, the volunteers to join our network. So that way, when a military member comes to it, there's someone in their area. We do a lot of social media outreach, all kind of organic and, and just asking our fans to share with their friends and family. Um, and we also have volunteers in highly density or high density military towns. And we ask those volunteers to connect with the local base, the family readiness officers and, um, you know, MWRs and trying to make sure that we're integrated in those pre-deployment briefs. So that way military members, you know, see it on the PowerPoint slide. If it's not on a PowerPoint slide. It doesn't exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that way, Oh, like, you know, I have a dog. I should probably check out dogs in deployment. So we actively try to make sure that every military member knows us. That's cool. So you, you thought of this while you were still, while you got commissioned. Mm -hmm. um, so was it like your own experience that created this or yes. how did you come up with it? Yes. Uh, it, it's crazy to think that, I mean, my husband and I, we were both active duty. He was in the Navy. Uh, he flew sixties and uh, I was going into the Marine Corps to go to the basic school. So you started dogs on deployment when you got your commission. So did this come about through like your own personal experience? It did actually. It was kind of unexpected. My husband was in the Navy. Uh, he was flying 60s and I was just joining the Marine Corps and I had to go to TBS, uh, the basic school for six months in Virginia and had to live in the barracks, obviously. And my husband was deploying at the same time and we had this very 
anxious, neurotic dog, JD, we still have, <laughs> uh, but none of our family, we always thought like, Oh, our family will take them. And they were like, no, <laughs> oh. not happening. He is way too crazy. So, uh, it put us in a bind. Um, and luckily we were able to find a distant relative that was willing to help. That was amazing. And they watched JD for the six months and they were actually in Virginia. So oh, you know, on the weekends better. while everyone else had to stay in the barracks or go get crazy in DC, I like went to go hang out with my dog. <laughs> Very wholesome. In hindsight, that's probably a smart decision. <laughs> probably. Not sure I would be here if I had gone out. Um, but yeah, so it kind of like sparked this idea. Like here we are two military officers. We had the financial resources to pay for boarding, which we were planning on doing. And um, we we were kind of stuck in like what to do. And we thought, well, gosh, if we're in this position, like what about junior people that don't have the financial means to be able to like afford a professional pet sitter? What do they do? And, um, turns out they rehome their dog. Um, there wasn't like any fostering that was effective on a national level. Some places had some local stuff. And I basically was like, this is a problem. We need to solve it. Dogs Unemployment was born. Have you guys expanded to the other branches beyond like Marine Corps and the Navy? Yes. Uh, we initially kind of started to target Navy Marine Corps bases just because that's what we were familiar with, obviously. Sure, yeah. um, but now we are across the nation. Um, we'd love to go international someday and be able to provide foster homes overseas. We're still working on that. Uh, but yes, we help all military branches. And um, actually, starting in 2020, we even expanded to our um, help America's first responders. So firefighters, when they get deployed oh, okay. to fight like the California wildfires, um, police training, if they go into like military or a police academy, um, and even, um, healthcare workers, if they're, were going to go, you know, in response to the COVID and the early pandemic stages, we were available to them as well. So we've expanded who we help. Um, we also help government service employees and contractors if they're veterans. Uh, so, we, so we do a lot more than just active duty troops. Um, but that's primarily who our customer is. Gotcha. Um, and so how are people able to find you guys? Uh, dogsunemployment.org is our website and okay. we're also on Facebook and Instagram and all that good social media jazz. Um, but really it's, it's our website that you have to go to in order to either sign up to help as being a DOD border or a foster home or to apply for assistance. Gotcha. So what was it like? I mean, after getting off active duty and now you're you're basically running the organization full time now. Mm -hmm. Tell us about, I mean, fortunately you had been building this while you're active duty. So it wasn't right. brand new, brand new when you got out. Um, but it was obviously different, right? It probably wasn't the same regular paycheck coming in on clockwork and all that stuff. So tell us about that transition a little bit and going on your own. Yeah. You know, um, I, I really, you, you hit a good point there. The fact that I had been building dogs and employment since, you know, since 2011, if that hadn't been a factor, there's no way that I would have been able to get out of the Marine Corps and then do this nonprofit full time because we just wouldn't have had the ability to do that as a, a, a nonprofit and, and be healthy um, financially. So there's, there is some kind of blessing in the fact that it was something that was built over the course of a long period of time. Um, I will say I, I definitely enjoy not having to get up at five o'clock in the morning, which is great. Yeah. Um, and, and being able to be home, you know, for dinner every day. But, um, the transition was, was kind of 
hard in a sense. Um, you know, I love doing dogs in employment. I'm very, very passionate about it. And so that part makes it easy. Um, but it's also kind of overwhelming because now it's like, I don't have like, this is what I'm doing. Everything, my, my career is kind of reliant on like the success of this nonprofit because, um, I want it to succeed so bad and I yeah. need it to succeed so bad so that I can, you know, kind of continue to see it grow forth. And so there's a lot of kind of internalized pressure on me from that, that I, I wasn't really expecting because I had just gotten so used to doing dogs in employment as like a volunteer. And right. then to suddenly have that change to, um, it's not something that can just exist on the sidelines as I was doing my military career. Now it has to be successful and I want to see it be successful. Uh, so there was a lot of pressure in that. That's yeah, I can imagine. And then, you know, like trying to do this, I know a lot of active duty people also have something on the side that they're working on, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, investing in real estate or you were, you know, building a nonprofit mm -hmm. and, um, you know, there's obviously a time demand there on top of your military duty. Mm -hmm. Um, how was that balance for you? Were you able to, I mean, was it stretching you pretty thin or how were you able to work that in? It, um, there were definitely times that it was stretching me thin and it was difficult at times too, because, uh, I didn't always have supportive leadership for me doing dogs in employment was always a way to give back to the troops, especially when I was a pilot and I was going through flight training and everything's about you and your grades and your performance and you, 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 you. And I was like, yeah, but that's not why I joined the Marine Corps. I joined the Marine Corps for them. So what can I do to give back to them? And there was nothing really in my aviation career that sought there, you know, saw that as a, a priority until I was in my first unit and I had my first, you know, department. So for me, doing dogs in employment was always about the troops and the people that I was helping directly. And so um, I wanted, you know, people to see that in the Marine Corps, or in the military, I wanted them to understand that, like, I wasn't just doing this to have an exit strategy. I was doing this because this is something I was passionate about. And I was trying to make a difference in the world, specifically our military community. Right. Um, and so I think for people, if they're doing a side job, um, you, you definitely have to have that passion. Um, but you do have to remember that like, while you're in the service, you know, you, you are expected to put forth, you know, hundred percent of your effort, um, into your, your job in the military. And if you're trying to build something on the side, you have to kind of be accepting that sometimes you might not be able to always put a hundred percent effort into that side gig. Yeah. You know, for me, the military was always first. Um, and I had to tell my volunteers at times, look, like I'm just going to be away for 30 days. Cause I got to go fly to the middle East and back. Sorry. Like, you know, we'll put everything on hold. And, and the kind of hard part about that too, was that sometimes that was people that needed our help. I had to tell them like, I'll be with you as soon as I can, but it's going to take me a while. That's tough. And then there were days that, you know, I was like, okay, I had a 12 hour, 18 hour work day and I'm just going to shoot off a couple emails before I get to bed. And, you know, you just kind of have to make that balance and that sacrifice on your personal time. So it's challenging. I think it's absolutely possible to be done. Um, but you just have to be aware of how difficult it might be and know where you can give Right. Well, I think you hit it right on the head too with, you know, having the passion for it. So, um, you know, a lot of people who I talk to who have, you know, some sort of side thing they're doing in, in addition to serving in the military, 
it's really a passion driven yeah. thing. Um, because I just don't think any of us have enough um, gas in the tank to just do another job for the sake of doing another job on top of your military service. Like there has to be that, that extra driver there um, and something that you're, you're truly passionate about. Um, so yeah, I mean, I get that. That's the only way you're going to be able to do it. Right. Just to carry forth that passion. Um, so what's, what's um, on the horizon for the organization now? What, what are you guys aiming to grow towards? Well, um, I want us to be, I want us to be connected to every base just intrinsically. Like I don't want there to be a question for any service member that when they get in and it's like, Oh, I have this dog. What do I do? Like, I want to remove that question. I want it to just be known that, Oh, I got a dog. I'm having an issue, you know, a conflict with my care for the dog. Like I'm just going to go to this organization. I also really want to expand upon the ability. We have so many volunteers in our network that are not able to help military members because there's nobody in their area. So I really want to grow the um, ability to help other heroes in America as well. Obviously, we respect our service members, you know, greatly. There are other people also in the United States that we can help. And uh, I want to you know, make that more known. Um, so we can help more people. Yeah. Well, and then that gives those volunteers an opportunity because there's police and fire and paramedics yes. everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. So yes. it gives them a real opportunity. And I always say, I kind of want to put dogs on employment out of business in a sense, you know, if, uh, if we are not needed, then we have made like a success in the world because the whole aspect is like, you're not supposed to get a dog in the military without any plan. You know, right. (laughs) You're only supposed to get a pet. If you have some sort of plan, we're backup. We are not a primary plan. And we advertise that in the application process. You know, what are you, what is your primary plan and why did it fall through? So, um, we really, you know, if we were able to put ourselves out of business, great, it's not going to happen. So we'll keep chugging along. Yeah. Well, that's really good. Um, so shifting gears a, a little bit here, um, you're in the local San Diego market. Um, I know you guys have dabbled in, in real estate and stuff yourself. Yeah. So tell me, what has your experience been in real estate, both active duty and, and, and now your prior service and using the VA loan or not using the VA loan? And, and tell us about your experience with that. Well, if you're not using your VA loan, you're wrong. I don't think that there's, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, truly even, you know, people try to time the market here in San Diego, which is so hard to do. Um, we were really lucky. We actually bought our first, um, single family home, um, in Santee in 2013, uh, when we had a pretty good trough and, uh, we were able to sell that house, um, and, and kind of, you know, make other real estate investments from that first sell. So for us, especially because both my husband and I each have a VA loan, um, you know, we, we have strategically thought like how we can, um, you know, buy one property and if we're going to sell it, then what are we going to do with that? You know, any equity that we get, can we, can we split it up? Can we buy more than one property? Um, and sometimes, you know, it, it might not always work. Um, but if you're, if you're not willing to just, you know, if you're paying somebody else's mortgage by paying rent 
or throwing away, or I mean, I guess I shouldn't say you're throwing away your, your bob by living on base because sometimes you don't have a, an option, but there really is such an opportunity to create, you know, some sort of foundational um, financial situation for your family with a VA loan. I mean, zero down, low yeah. interest rates right now, historically low, even if you're going to be paying more for a house right now, just because the market is slightly in a bubble, you're still getting such a low interest rate compared to what the historic has been. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think it was an interesting point that you brought up too, about trying to time the market. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hear a lot of people who are, you know, trying to be super strategic about it and it's nearly impossible. Like mm-hmm. even Warren Buffett, who's arguably the greatest investor, um, in our time has says you can't time right. a market. Right. Um, so you either have to make the decision to get in or stay out. Um, but timing it is nearly impossible. And, um, I mean the, the benefit on the real estate side is a, you need a place to live regardless of what the market's doing and, and B it's something that over time has proven to always appreciate. So even if you bought at a time where it's slightly higher and it comes down a little bit over time, it's going to move up, right? You're not day trading your house. So you're not going to buy it today and sell it next month. It's definitely something you're going to hang on to for a while. So, um, yeah, you're, you're spot on with that comment and in trying to time the market. And, um, and I agree, you know, the, the BAH is such a great incentive mm. for people to, to use to purchase homes. It's tax-free money for a house. Um, I, I built a chart a couple of years ago and it's a little outdated, but I basically took kind of a Marine Corps career enlisted for 20 years. And um, the total amount of BAH and get, granted, like your first few years, you're not allowed to live off base and stuff, but your first year, um, a total 20 year career is about $700,000 that the government gives you to live tax-free money that could all be going into a mortgage. That's a house. That's a really nice house. Yeah. Or that's lots of houses over your career of transitioning and PCSing, right? And building a vast real estate portfolio over that time. Um, So yeah, it's crazy that people would just, you know, default to um, just renting or giving it to Lincoln Housing or something like that. Um, Because there's a huge, huge advantage. And like you said, you know, you can set up your family for the long term really, really well. Yeah. And and I think, you know, people are also like, well, you know, I'm only going to be stationed here for a couple of years. If you're in San Diego and you're going to move, that is rental property, <laughs> yeah. you know, and um, it's it's kind of why why wouldn't you use that opportunity to allow even if you're going to move to allow somebody else to to pay you know onto your mortgage. And one thing I never um, really thought about too is that say you do have a property um, and you're renting it out. Well, maybe you're renting it out and each month it feels like it's break even, you know, your mortgage is $2,000 and your rent is $2,000. So you're like, in your mind, you're like, I'm not seeing any monthly profit, but what you're not looking at is the long term. The long term is that you're paying down that, you know, interest yeah. and you're gaining equity. And so while you might not think every month that you're making any money, you're actually making a significant amount in the long term. So I feel like if you can have that kind of, you know, insight into what you're looking at down the road, uh, it's, it's smart whether you're going to stay here or not. Yeah. And I think some people have that mindset of buying a home as a permanent activity. No, nope. right. <laughs> I've you had know? three in the last, since my daughter was born and she's only four. <laughs> there you go. Right. I mean, yeah. So buying a home is a permanent thing just because you get stationed in, in whatever duty station, you're only gonna be there for three years or five years or whatever. It's not, you don't have to be there for the rest of your life. 
and it can make a lot of sense to buy a home there and turn it into an investment down the road. And, totally. and you're right, you know, the monthly cash flow, although it's nice and that's the objective, right, is to have monthly cash flow. If you're at a break even point, you are gaining equity because now you have somebody else paying your mortgage for you. And with every payment they make, it's chipping away at that principal amount. And you stretch that over time and you've got this big chunk of equity there available to you to, and you can use it all sorts of different ways. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it truly, and over time, you know, rents will probably increase over time. So at some point it will start cash flowing, I would imagine. Um, but just, just think, you know, if you had bought a house after your first couple of years in the military in fast forward 20 or 25 years, that house is either paid off or nearly paid off. Yeah, between retirement and a rental income, I mean, you'd be doing pretty well. You're doing pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the military is really setting you up pretty nice. If you got, you know, your disability income, you've got retirement income, you've and got then you go back rental to property. Yeah, <laughs> go back to school, get your BAH with the GI Bill, and you know, I mean, you're doing pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so it's a huge opportunity. So yeah, thanks for for sharing your experience with that because I think it's something that you know more of our military needs to hear about because um, the military is such a great job and training and educating us to be, you know, great warriors and great leaders and very tactical with our, our mission. Um, but there's a lot of benefits to being in the military, which they don't, they don't educate us on. And so you got to kind of seek that out on your own and, and find good people to give you good advice on it. So, um, it's always good to hear somebody that's really taken advantage of it and knows what they're doing. Yeah. And you know, you, you think of everybody else, when you're using a conventional loan, how much money you have to put down, the fact that they removed the cap now on, on being able to buy any house with zero down. I mean, that's just, that's free money. And, and people might be scared to jump into that. Like, you know, it, if, if you can afford it on a monthly basis, um, it still might feel like an overwhelming sum of money to just, owe. No, but I always joke, I'm like, well, if they default on it, I put zero down. So <laughs> right. what are they going to take? Right. There's <laughs> I'll not, there's just go n- take my ball and I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not the objective, but no, yeah. But, I mean, nobody gets that opportunity. Right. Nobody gets that type of a loan except for us. So, you know, I really, really, I tell everybody, all my, my Marines when I was in, like, come on, just take advantage of the amazing, you know, opportunities that are given to you. Um, because if you don't, they're so nothing. Password time flies by Yeah, whether you're taking advantage of it or not. Yeah. Time is ticking. Um, yeah. And there's with the removal of that cap, it's been really neat. I mean, we've helped a lot of guys and gals purchase like multifamily. Right. Which is huge. And those huge. are expensive. They are. They're not cheap. Like, especially in our area or LA, I mean, you're over a million bucks, which to someone who, you know, grew up in middle America, that's like a mansion and you come out yes. here and it's, you know, far from a mansion, but, um, the revenue potential and the future growth of that is just insanely positive. Right. It, I mean, if I could have gotten into a multifamily home, uh, that would have been <laughs> definitely a preferable scenario because of the ability to, uh, make revenue on the different apartments. But or the different, you know, complexes, but unfortunately that just wasn't it for our cards, but maybe someday. Yeah. It's not out of question. No. Cool. Well, Lisa, I want to just thank you for taking some time today to meet with me. Um, it's really cool to have another San Diegan here. We can meet face to face and just share your story. Um, and then dogs on deployment, obviously, um, an amazing help for people if they're, um, PCSing and, 
you don't need that care for the dogs, they can reach you guys online. And yes. um, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was great talking. Bet. Thanks for tuning in to the Armed and Ready podcast today. As always, if you have any questions, visit me on valonguy.us.